0: Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right from ironclad security to computing and beyond. Valcom's 35-plus years of experience means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from the desktop to the data center. Please check them out at VLCM.com. That's VLCM.com. And welcome to the Cyber24 Podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping business and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. My name is Marty Carpenter of 249. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and government relations. And this week we're talking about security, encryption, VPNs, and why more businesses don't use this, well, frankly, silver bullet of security. Our guest is Brad Hawkins. He's the CEO of SaferNet, and we will tap into his expertise this week. All right, we're glad to have with us today uh, Brad Hawkins, CEO of SaferNet, is our special guest. And uh, Brad, we sure appreciate you taking some time to spend a little uh, time and share some expertise with us.
1: Marty, I appreciate being on your show, and uh, thank you so much for the invite. I look forward to it.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, let's start here. SaferNet, uh, how did you uh, come about Starting this company and and what's SaferNet all about.
1: Uh, you know it's 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 interesting. I uh, um, I've I've owned and run multiple different businesses uh, throughout my life and and uh, kind of wound things down to the place of uh, enjoying being a consultant and uh, ran across a, a, a guy that ended up being a good friend of mine named Patrick Patrick Cavanaugh. And, he had started a version of safernet multiple years ago and called Wi-Fi, uh, and it was uh it was struggling and he asked me if I could consult with him and help him move along and and at one point he just came out and said i i cannot do this alone can you be the ceo and um i i struggled with that decision but i ended up doing it and i've just absolutely loved it it's been so much fun to to be able to run it, we've made a lot of changes. Safernet is a uh, uh, basically a 256-bit encrypted VPN. Uh, it happens to be a 24/7 always-on VPN. Uh, but we've combined three of what uh, what we discover, what I consider some of the most important cybersecurity tools, and that is combining a virus protection within the VPN, and uh, and it also included. 200 internet controls to allow someone to really monitor or manage uh, somebody's network through, through SaferNet. So it's been, it's been quite a project, but uh, it's been an exciting project.
0: Was this uh, the first time sort of jumping into the cybersecurity world to so that industry? Is it something that uh, was an interest for you, you beforehand or did it sort of become a passion as you went along?
1: Um, very good question. It. I was not an expert, uh, nor do I think anyone is really an expert in cybersecurity because it changes every fifteen minutes. But um, but it, I've I've uh, developed software before. Uh, I've owned international companies. I've I've done all kinds of stuff in business. Um, but getting into the cybersecurity world, there's this there's this sense of uh, protecting the world that really kind of you feel a little bit honored to be able to step into a world where people can rely on you for their safety. And uh, so, I mean, that's where I really found a lot of value in, in saying, gosh, uh, this this can be something long-term that I do that just really uh, allows people to do some amazing things on the internet uh, and in a safe way. So...
0: Yeah. You mentioned a little bit, maybe the term I would use, I don't think you use this term, but in my mind, it's the term that you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur or you've been involved in a number of businesses. Does that experience give you a different perspective when then dealing with cybersecurity and encryption uh, and, and taking that service to other businesses that you understand some of the challenges that those business leaders who aren't likely to be involved in the cybersecurity field, you know, you're helping their business by providing something they don't have. Does that experience give you a perspective that you find beneficial to those clients? Uh,
1: you know, it, it does. I, I have a, we're, we've created a, a, a really cool, amazing, um, cybersecurity software for small businesses, um, and I have been in the small business world really my entire career. So I, I truly understand the needs that they have. And it, it has put a very different perspective on our approach to cybersecurity. Now, Patrick is very much a, a technology, uh, get into the, the details of how everything works. And, and I'm always saying nobody's going to use it. It has to be simpler. Um, and that's really been our approach since day one, is is creating a tool for small businesses that are not experts in technology, that they don't understand cybersecurity. They would rather just completely ignore it. And and to be honest, I, when I ran my my investment management company, I had a guy, I just said, you know what, you take care of the, the security issues. Uh, tell me if we have a problem. I don't even need to know anything that's going on. And I know that that's the majority of small business owners. They're trying to sell their product. They're trying to keep it in business. They're trying to do everything that small business people need to do to keep their business going. So cybersecurity has a tendency to just get dropped to a non-important issue until it becomes a big issue. And our objective is, is to say, you know, let us step in there as your cybersecurity expert. Let it be simple enough that you can just set it up, have it run, and you don't even have to worry about it. And from my experience in multiple businesses, that's really the safest way to go because if it's too complicated, um, that, that entrepreneur is not gonna even bother with it until there's a crisis.
0: Yeah. And that comes to not only the technical side, but it, it, that extends to reputation management. What happens if there's a problem? Uh, what are all the things that we're doing ahead of time to make sure that there's not a problem? You know, I, I think that's something to hit on. And it's one of the reasons uh, that we've had this podcast. You know, we say at the beginning of every show that this is for uh, business leaders and governmental leaders who, think of this as a really intimidating topic and either their eyes sort of gloss over when they (laughs) start talking about cybersecurity or, uh, you know, they just find it as an intimidating subject that we try to make it a little bit more understandable for them. Uh, And a lot of times you're right. I think that boils down to, I I don't want to worry about this. I don't necessarily understand it, but if you can even impress upon them, just trust me that it's worth putting the resources together to address this before it becomes a problem that it's, it's so important for them.
1: No, absolutely. That is that is so important. Most people don't realize the dangers that are out there in the internet. I mean, it's just a a big um, a big puzzle that somebody else might have to solve. But um, most people don't realize fifty five percent of cyber attacks um, go completely unnoticed, and so a lot of those small businesses have been hacked and they don't even know about it. And usually. After a hack, you might not know that you've been hacked for quite a while afterwards, possibly a year or two, as things start revealing uh, out on the black web or or whatever it is. So, yes, I totally agree.
0: Well, you mentioned something sort of in the technical aspect of what Safernet does. You use the term two hundred and fifty-six bit encryption. And so with that in mind that we have business leaders, government leaders who aren't necessarily on the techie side of things. Can you maybe explain uh what what the benefits are of or why why that's a why that's an impressive number, what it means, just break it down into layman's terms, what we're talking about with two hundred and fifty-six bit encryption.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, encryption is basically scrambling the data from one point to another. So, um, you know, you, you have important things that you're sending from one location to another or just simply surfing the web. it doesn't even have to be all that important. But um, but anytime you're going from one point to another, um, that encryption is, is scrambled. And the 256-bit uh, portion of that is just how we scramble it. There's multiple... Different ways to encrypt. Um, uh, there's there's uh, uh, RSA uh, style. There's it started out as 56 bit, uh, so it's you know, and that was pretty easy to be hacked. But as it mm-hmm. as it grew, it ended up being a 256 bit, 192 uh, bit, uh, or and you know, we end up at a 256 bit encryption. And really, what that means is. Is it's encrypted in blocks, um, going through the internet, and the, the important part that you need to understand about it is that that it would take probably a lifetime of a supercomputer to unencrypt that two fifty six bit encrypted. Uh, there's a lot of banks that use that. There's mi- some militaries that use that. Um, it's a uh, it's a it's become a little more of a common usage. The truth is is 128-bit encrypted is probably good enough um, for most people, but it's not that much work to get it a little bit further. And so really that's where we're we're so happy is to be able to be at that 256-bit encrypted. But I will say that what I would say is probably even more valuable than the 256-bit encrypted, and that is that we're 24-7 always on because I know a lot of people throughout uh, all of our research, a lot of our uh, customers, um, the biggest problem with with a VPN is people choosing not to or forgetting to turn it on. And, you know, to, to fire up their laptop, they're at Starbucks, they they turn on their laptop and they do whatever they need to do and they think, oh, my gosh, I need to turn on my VPN. Well, the the issue there is, is that, during that period of time, you have no idea what could have been put on your computer at that time. Now, some people think, well, I I, I haven't connected to the Internet yet, so I'm safe. Well, that's not totally true because if you're running around with, with your Wi-Fi available, even though you're not logged on, you're connecting to Internets all the time. And so by connecting to Internets all the time, you're putting yourself available to hackers or, or somebody that can download Trojan or whatever it is, just as you uh, go throughout your your time. But if you run a a 24-7 always-on VPN, it's always protected. And we like to say we've basically extended the firewall of your business to anywhere in the world you happen to take your, your
0: computer. You've all seen the headlines. Every 39 seconds, there's a new attempted cyber attack in the U.S., As the threat landscape becomes more complex, the need for security operations is greater than ever before. It's time to put experts in your corner. For something as important as your organization's security, having a named engineer and analyst paired with you is critical. Arctic Wolf is a leader in security operations, utilizing a cloud-native security analytics platform to deliver security operations as a concierge service. Arctic Wolf's Security Operations Center as a service is always on guard with security experts monitoring your environment 24-7. Don't become the next headline. Learn more about Arctic Wolf's redefined cybersecurity approach at vlcmtech.com slash arctic-wolf. That's vlcmtech.com slash arctic-wolf. With the increasing number of employees working remotely everywhere around the world, businesses are now looking at supporting a mostly, if not fully, remote workforce. But just because security at the office is no longer a high priority, that doesn't mean that remote security should be overlooked or be difficult to manage. To enable remote work security at your business, Valcom recommends WatchGuard Automation Core. WatchGuard's automation security platform speeds up processes kills threats and empowers it teams to do more with less with watchguard you can apply zero trust principles across networks and applications and help remote employees enable secure wi-fi networks to learn more about remote work security visit vlcmtech.com watchguard that's vlcmtech.com watchguard VPNs to me, and I, I was turned on to those by some other panelists and guests we've had uh, on this program. Uh, you know, I have one on my computer. I'm I'm pretty religious about using it if I'm out on any kind of public Wi-Fi. Which is someone working in consulting, I'm sort of hopping between different uh, different hotspots all the time. They seem to me to be essentially like a security silver bullet. So the question I've always had is why well, and maybe you're the the you've probably had to pose the same question more so than I'm, you know, trying to ask you the question to get you to to come around on this, but why doesn't everyone use one and if everyone suddenly got turned on to this and decided to use one, is there capacity for everyone to use a VPN?
1: Well, Number one there'll always be a capacity as as we continue to grow there's always going to be um, adjustments and, and whatever needs to be to be able to keep up with capacity um, and and that sure enough is the way we've operated we spin up servers as we need to as we grow but um, you know it's interesting because we've looked at that exact question multiple times it's like I can't comprehend what if If someone understands what a VPN is doing, I cannot comprehend anyone not using a VPN. I mean, I don't care if you're a ten year old kid. Um, I, I would not have my ten year old kid on the internet without a VPN. Um, but what I hear all the time is is it slows down my computer. Um, you know the the interesting thing is is that I get this from uh, high level executives and small businesses. Um, we don't do anything that anybody would want uh, I just I just laugh at that it's just it's just like they they're missing the whole game um, you know or you know the like I mentioned earlier that people just forget to turn it on they just don't use it um, and so we've we've done our best to be able to create solutions around causing that to not not be an issue where you know truly I because of the way we're, we're structured, we, we don't slow down the Internet at all. Actually, we have .01 latency, uh, and, and uh, we actually did a, a live radio show on a, on a local troubleshooter uh, guy that did a live radio show to, to um, I think his intent was to prove us wrong that we, we actually did slow down the Internet. Um, but he actually come at, came out, a guy named Tom Martino, he came out and said, said we actually sped up the Internet. And he said, that's impossible. We were doing this live thing. And, and, um, and truthfully, we don't speed up the internet, but there's an effect that causes the internet to speed up because when we're running our VPN, there's, uh, you know, since we've been on this show, I've probably been, uh, at least attempted to be hit over 50 times of somebody reaching into my computer and taking information from the, from my computer. Um, when we're stopping all that traffic, we're essentially keeping that from using your CPU, CPU, and it does have an effect of speeding up everything that you're doing. Technically, we're not, but it does have that effect.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I, I, I'm with you that most people, if they understood what uh, VPN was and how to use it, would, uh, would definitely – Use it more frequently. Uh, maybe the best route is just to tell people if you get this, you can watch, uh, Netflix in other countries. <laughs> you got to give them a carrot instead of a stick, right? Instead of <laughs> yeah. threatening them with, here's all the bad that could happen. Hey, you know, just if there's a show that you want to watch in England, here's, here's how you can kind of, uh, have the internet not know exactly where you are, which is kind of a, a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, so at the rate we're progressing, the success hackers have, uh, in, you know, penetrating the defenses of of businesses and and even governments uh, means that really everyone's becoming a larger target. Uh, Most companies are going to end up getting hacked sooner or later. I mean, you've given us some numbers about this, but most of these companies are going to get attacked. And I, I actually, I thought the interesting thing that you brought up was these businesses that tell you, uh, we don't have anything that anybody wants, but the response from my perspective is yes, but do you want what you have? Because... Uh, getting hacked can just mean someone cuts off your ability to access the stuff you want and what they want from you is the money to let you get back to the stuff that you want in the first place. So it's not always about do I have a treasure chest here that someone wants to come rob? It's what if I want to get to my treasure chest and nobody, and, I, and suddenly someone is blocking my path until I pay some kind of ransom. So that, that's just another interesting element to think through on. Everyone's a, a target for some reason and it may not just be because you have something of value uh, that someone wants to steal from you.
1: Uh, that's, that's a very, very good point. I, I completely agree. And I do, I believe that everyone that has ever used the internet has been hacked to some level. Um, and, and most people don't realize that we have this in our, in our software, we have this thing that we call entourage and totally true. I'm not a hundred percent, um, uh, happy with the name that we've chosen for it, but I don't have another solution for that yet. But if anyone has a great name, please let me know. But Entourage is just basically, as you as you use your device, your people are always reaching into your, your device and taking your information. Whether you've given them permission uh, because it's an app that you have on your device, or whether you haven't given them permission, they're still reaching in and taking that information. Usually, uh, the The simplest reason would be just a to market to you um, but that is that is uh, basically a hack I mean it's taking taking your information and then it goes all the way up to you know some Trojans and or um, uh, you know, ransomware is just so rampant at this particular time. Um, but when we're running our entourage and it, you can take a look at the number of times that someone has reached in and attempted to grab your information, and we're blocking it, of course, but you can see the number of times, uh, hundreds and hundreds of times a day that they're reaching in there. Now, some of those are, are not bad, and some of those are, are fairly malicious. Um, we don't necessarily uh, are able to detect. To, to, distinguish between it all, but we're blocking all of that information. And just being able to see what's going on is absolutely amazing. But going to the ransomware topic, you know, you see these municipalities and these uh, larger businesses that have been ransomed for uh, millions of dollars just to get access to their device. If they would just run, uh, well, I'm going to say RVPN or any VPN, but if they just run RVPN. Um, even if somebody opens up a bad email that is a ransomed um, you know trigger point that if they just stumble on it and they it it's a it's something from their uh, from a vendor that they normally use. I can understand why they would open it. But if they open up that email while they're connected to our VPN and our virus scrubbing, um, we will stop that ransom from being able to communicate to any outside Uh, um, vendor. And although that ransomware will be triggered because that email is a trigger point, it won't be able to communicate with their host and they will never be able to trigger the ransom. And so it would save millions and millions of dollars if they would just simply stay connected to SaferNet or, or a VPN aspect of things.
0: Yeah. If a company has, let's say 100 employees and they have a service like SaferNet, do they get, is it a VPN, a virtual private network that's sort of individual to each employee? Or is it sort of the company? Because from what you're describing there, it sounds like it's for each different employee would essentially say, I'm in my own lane on the on the information superhighway here. Uh, is it sort of individualized to each person? Can you maybe help our audience understand that?
1: Very, very good question. So, um uh, yes, yeah, SaferNet goes on each individual account or, uh, each individual device. So if it goes to uh, it's basically an app that has been put on a cell phone, a laptop, even a desktop, and with that app, you log into uh, your your account that you're set up. and so an administrator would be able to see a profile that might be my personal profile and all of the devices that I use for the company, whether it's my cell phone or my laptop or my desktop, are connected to my profile, and that administrator can control that profile however they feel like it's important for that individual person. But I can take my laptop or my phone or wherever it is anywhere. I can take it home and work from home. I can take it on a business trip to Europe, and I'm still stay within that protected firewall of that business and i'm never exposed to outside viruses it doesn't matter where in the world i might might find myself so it's it's the ideal situation for a business that wants to protect their 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 network within their four walls when everybody's sending all their employees home to work they're still protected technically within those four walls because they never break ranks they they always stay connected within that network and they keep themselves safe.
0: Yeah. You know, I see this in the general landscape that, uh, and, and I've mentioned this with other guests we've had on the show that the internet was so new and social media was so new and we all kind of rushed and started giving away data. And it was like the new thing and we were gonna deal with security later. Uh, and there seems to be sort of a slow uh, awakening coming on security. And now you look at the the, the general market and you, take a company like Apple uh, that has you know, such a dominant uh, footprint in, in the devices that people use, and that's their positioning in the marketplace now is, hey, we're about security and your privacy. Others, maybe not so much. I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, we've had Facebook dealing with a fallout from uh, w- what are they using your data for and and so on. Do you think that we'll see a continued evolution towards security being prioritized by Maybe not. Maybe it's the tech, the big tech giants, or maybe it's the marketplace that says, "Hey, we've really got to start prioritizing security." Uh, I'm sure you see it from from your clients, but do you think that will be a continuing trend and, and an evolution, generally speaking?
1: You know, um, in in my mind, y- you always want to follow the money, um, and you know, there's there's this incredible power of data. Data is the greatest powerhouse of all. I mean, you, you can mm-hmm. you can see these monster tech companies that charge absolutely nothing for their use, and they're they're the wealthiest companies uh, in in the world today. And so yeah. it's because they can take that data and they can monetize that data. And so um, I would assume that those companies will be focused very heavily on uh, on Cybersecurity, because twofold. One is they want to make sure that nobody gets in and steals their money chain, and and number two, they want to uh, make sure that that uh, you don't feel like it's uh, it's a danger to use their their tools. And so as we go, I would assume that more and more of these larger companies will want to protect their their investment by creating very safe environments so that you will continue to use their tools so that they will continue to get your data. And so as I go through this process, we've done a lot of research and it's fascinating. You can do some digging um, and we're, we're in the process of putting together some pretty major reports, but um, I I would say do some real digging on some of these uh, companies and even uh, VPN companies and see who really owns them. See see who's owning them and or gathering data. Um, there's some pretty large uh, VPN companies out there that are owned by uh, some some uh, uh, Chinese companies and some Russian companies. And so, not saying that they all are. There's some very very secure um, VPNs out there as well. But my my intent in saying that is that it's all a race to get that data. And VPNs happen to have the ability of gathering more data than really anybody else because we are uh, creating that tunnel that it travels through. And so the key is, is what is that VPN company doing or what are these other companies doing uh, with that data? And so with with SaferNet, we dump the data. We don't keep the data. Um, and we're a U.S.-based company that is uh, – we've got to follow all those rules. It's a, a critical aspect of things. Um, but as we go, there's going to be a balance between who's providing my security. Am I paying for it, or is it coming free? And if it's coming free, uh, I'm probably the product, and do I want them to be taking that data? So the objective is, is, is yeah, or the, the overall perspective is, yes, there's going to be a lot of, lot of security out there offered, but a good consumer is going to look at it saying, I need to be aware of who is providing it and who's making the money for it. And if it's a free cybersecurity tool, then it's probably not as secure as it might feel like it is in the beginning.
0: Yeah. The old saying that uh, if you're not, uh, if you're not paying for the service, you're the product. Right? Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, if you're giving things away for free. Hey, I'll, I'll wrap up with you uh, with this question. Yeah. At this point, is is the cat just out of the bag? Does digital privacy really even exist anymore? And how can someone go about minimizing uh, his digital footprint?
1: Um, that is that is a great question, and I'd like to give what I would consider better news than this, but I I do not think that we will ever have complete privacy, um, because we are in such a, a a different world. Now I do know that there's people that are working on. Different protocols to the internet and even different internet protocols, period. I mean, so who knows what direction everything ends up going in the long run. Um, but the objective that I see is, is that it's our job to protect our data the best that we possibly can. And, and, and really being simply aware of the things that are out there is critical. Like what we were just talking about, who's making the money on, on what? Is being tried to protect is your uh, who's who's owning uh, the cybersecurity that you're you're, off, you're buying? Um, my objective would be to say look for the simple solution first, um, because the complicated ones oftentimes uh, don't get used; they get uh, pushed off as being too difficult, and that's the reason that we've developed Safernet the way it is. Is it's it's simply downloading an app that gives you virus protection and 24/7 always-on 256-bit VPN, including um, 200 internet controls to be able to make sure that your your internet experience is what you want it to be. You can filter out 84 different categories of the internet, or or whatever the case is. But the objective is is that it, it has to be very simple, so a non-technical person can run it, manage it, and make it work for everybody that, that they're responsible for. And that's really our objective at SaferNet is to get it to the place where anybody can run what we've developed and it's safe and secure. And you don't have to worry about what happens with your data.
0: Yeah. Uh, Brad Hawkins is the CEO of SaferNet. Uh, how do people find your services online if they're interested in connecting with you for more? SaferNet.com. That's
1: as nice simple as it is. SaferNet.com. <laughs> Go there and yeah. give us a try, uh-huh. and you can try it for for uh, 14 days for free and see what you think.
0: Okay. Brad, thanks so much for your time and lending us your expertise. Well, it's
1: great, ha- great being on your show, and thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our guest, Brad Hawkins, the CEO of SaferNet. I also want to thank... Our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. So whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out, vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Division of Technology Services, the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah, utah attorney general's office the utah department of public safety and of course our friends at sekibon you can follow us on twitter at cyber 24 underscore or you can follow us on facebook as well feel free to hit us up in either place let us know what you think of the show or even if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode you can also rate and review the podcast on apple podcasts we love those five star ratings they make a big difference for us and our audience thanks everyone stay safe online